Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. We're talking about plants blooming later in the uh, fall season, uh, late summer season. So uh, kind of this time of year, I, I tell folks, ah, I get a little tired of gardening, but, and there is this, what we'll call it like the third wave of blooming plants here. And and uh, so we're going to talk about this, and I cannot do this by myself. I am joined, as always, by our co-host, Ken Johnson, horticulture educator in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. This is probably one you could do without me. But... No, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, you see, I have this problem when people ask me plants. They're like, hey, what do you recommend for this? My brain goes empty. It's just, <laughs> what what is that about I don't know me. Does that happen to you? Does your mind go blank when someone's like, "What? What tree should I plant, or what should I do with this?" My mind's blank a lot of the times, but <laughs> but yes, yeah, well, it's so much just kind of depends on what they want and where they're at, and there's there's so many different factors to take into consideration that yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to give them a, an answer. It's more here's some places you can look and then mm -hmm. figure that out. Yeah, well very like usually right now it's like what tree should i plant because in my neck of the woods ash trees are coming down uh like crazy and so oh usually it's like ah what tree should i plant what do you think about maple and then i'm just like oh don't plant a maple but then i can only think of maples after that <laughs> and this is like <laughs> the wheels get stuck and gummed up but uh but today we're going to be talking about these late season blooming plants so late summer early fall time frame it's about where we're at right now. And so uh, folks, you know, we'll probably be popping pictures in here. So if you want to see some pictures, we'll leave a link to the YouTube video recording of this um, where you can see our smiling faces and some some pictures as well. Uh, so Ken, I, I, I got, I'll kick this off today and um, talk about one that I use all of the time. And some people are like, oh, that's not really a great fall blooming plant. But it, I mean, it blooms in the fall, but it also kind of blooms in the summer. Black-eyed Susan. Uh, this is one that I grow, you know, routinely. And not only do I grow it very, it, it's common in my garden. It's common because it kind of spreads and it goes, moves around wherever it wants to move. And I don't really try to control it that much. Do you grow uh, Black-eyed Susan? Uh, we have. We, I think we, had, I don't know what cultivar we had. I think it was one of the older ones that gets leaf spot really bad. Yes. Um, and it gets to the point this time of year, it's pretty much black. Uh, so we've pulled almost all of ours out just because we get disease so bad on it. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a great point, Ken, about those old <laughs> disease uh, uh, stricken cultivars. So Goldstrom is one of those. And uh, Goldstrom has been planted. I, I remember as a student in like horticulture in the early 2000s, I once used the term turn of the century and people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, <laughs> like 18, exactly. They're like, what, 19, I'm like, no, no, when we like trying to do a new century, it was like Goldstrom was everywhere. And, um, but it gets the septoria, it gets the leaf spot really bad. And by this time of year, as you said, it's black and ugly, but there has been a new cultivar that has gotten the All-American Selection stamp of approval. And also just, was it two weeks ago? Uh, might have been a week ago, the Perennial Plant Association announced the Perennial Plant of the Year for 2023 is going to be a rutabecchia named American Gold Rush. 
And the, the thing you like this, Ken, so you might have some black-eyed Susan back in your yard, is that they are known to be resistant to those foliar diseases like septoria. And so they're not going to get all black and gnarly, uh, you know, in August and early September timeframe. So, uh, so American Gold Rush, perennial plant of the year for 2023. That's, that's that. I'll kick it off with that because they use black-eyed Susan kind of as this sort of backdrop to a lot of other things that are happening in my, my garden. So uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll kick it off with that. What, what do you got, Ken, for your plant pick? Um, so we'll go with some other that are kind of bloom, long bloom season. Um, so purple coneflower, gray-headed coneflower, mm -hmm. those are, are still blooming. They're kind of starting to fade, um, but they can kind of get you that, kind of get you into that, that late summer uh, before some of our late summer things really start going so um, that's one we've got um, in our gardens and and this year I don't know if you've noticed it but in, in some of our purple coneflower we've got a lot of aster yellows uh, mm -hmm. it looks like so with that I'm gonna have to pull some of those plants out so it doesn't spread um, I, I think it looks kind of cool I probably get more excited about this stuff than I should <laughs> or compared to most people but we'll have some plants to pull out so that's one thing to keep in mind with with those and some of those other aster type plants is that Aster yellows can get in there and and you want to pull that because that will insects will spread that from plant to plant and stuff. Yeah. Aster yellows, it's it's kind of like that viral rose rosette disease where the plant just it responds with that that disease by just growing all kinds of crazy structures. Like in rose rosette, you get like stems that are just like dense with prickles on on the stem or the the roses get all de deformed with aster yellows you get all these funny vegetative growth within a flower bud or you get all this kind of weird growth and it it's usually like a it, it's like a off color like a reddish color uh orangish color and i i do know i i've had aster yellows in a, the set of coneflower that i had at our older house like you said, you rogue it out. Basically, I, I lost almost all of them. And um, it, it, can it be cool to see? Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> but when you lose all your coneflowers, then I got sad. Um, but but yeah, I, I, we have coneflower here at our extension office. And um, I mean, it's, it's um, oh, how many square feet would it be? Um, probably... 30 to 50 by 20, like a big block of coneflower. Some of them are black right now, but some are going to keep their color probably up until the frost. And um, it, it's fun to watch the, the songbirds come in, uh, the migratory ones, especially, you know, come in later on in the season, feast on those flower heads. So, um, but yeah, that, that I think coneflower is a lot of fun. Do you have coneflowers that are something else besides purple coneflower that maybe have been bred to be a different color? Yeah, we've just got the the purple. Um, and speaking of, of birds and stuff, we've got a lot of had quite a few goldfinches mm -hmm. um, visiting them and stuff. So yeah, that's another another bird you can find in there uh, feeding on those. Yeah, we we just got the have the purple when it comes to the purple coneflower. That's neat. It, we also just have the purple here at the office, but we've had a few change to white, which is a really interesting mutation. And that can happen. It, it can happen. And, and sometimes breeders will try to cultivate that. But coneflower, it seems like their color, um, that, that mutation is, isn't always a stable and that usually might just revert back to purple in a year or two after that. So yeah, it's just really interesting plant. There's a lot of breeding that's going into effect with that one. And, and speaking of the white, was it Mount Cuba Center in mm -hmm. 
were they in Delaware? They did a trial on coneflowers looking at different cultivars and one of the white cultivars. And I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Is it like Fragrant Angel or something like that? So I think, yeah, I think an angel in name. Something angel, yeah. Yeah, that was actually their highest rated um, plant. And also for pollinator visitation, that had actually more visitors than the straight species did, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that that's what the one example I give when a lot of people ask me of the native R versus, you know, straight species discussion is, um, it, it it is not a black and white scenario. It is not, this is bad, this is good thing. And so um, Mount Cuba, Cuba Center, they do have that study where they, they track pollinator visits. Um, and, and really what they saw when the flower morphology changes, like they get those double headed flowers, that's when we start seeing a decline uh, quite a bit in pollinator visits because it makes it hard for them to access that, that nectar pollen reward. So, yeah. Well, Ken, I would say probably the next one on my list, uh, one that I have really enjoyed growing recently has been an ironweed. So this is a Veronia. Um, and this was a selection by Alan Armitage called Iron Butterfly. And ironweed, I mean, it just starts out the growing season, has a really fine, lacy, delicate foliage. Uh, I think we had it when we were at the um, the Farm Progress Show in Decatur a few years ago. Um, it was one of those that we had in some of our uh, display gardens for pollinators. And I, I'll say the, the plant looked look great then. Um, I've had it in my garden for a few years. And this year, I say we probably have hundreds of buds that have formed and are just about to open. And so I am super excited. So, um, and, you know, maybe before the show gets posted, maybe I can find a pic, I get a picture of it. I don't know if they've opened it yet or not. They probably won't, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> next week uh, they'll probably uh, pop open or in two weeks. And so, but Iron Butterfly, it's a selection through Alan, Alan Armitage. And the other reason why I really like this one is that when it fades in the fall, the the colors of the spent flower heads and now seed heads i suppose you call them and then the stems of the plant um, the flower heads are kind of this whitish color to the top and the stems turn black and i think it's really striking in the fall and the winter months and so um but but yeah iron butterfly it's an iron weed it's a purple blooming plant full sun um but mine's kind of in a partial shade i really i don't have many areas in my yard that is actual full sun but i would say six plus hours is what it gets and it, it's uh beautiful uh will be more beautiful right now but it has that that delicate fine textured foliage that contrasts nicely to that black-eyed susan that's right behind it so yeah that's a plant that you're familiar with ken uh it is not one that i have grown i've got some plants i need to remove and so i'll have some spots opening up that maybe i'll have some divisions to give out so yeah <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do with that. But yeah, I I check out Iron Butterfly. It's pretty neat. It's like, it's like the yes that that tick seed Coreopsis type foliage uh, with purple bloom late in the season. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. So another one that we've got in our garden again. It's it's kind of finishing up now. Um, but if you get into some of the winter interests, is Rattlesnake Master. Oh yeah, you've got that those those low yucca type leaves, which I kind of like because we've got a lot of grasses, and I kind of like just having the flowers pop out where you don't necessarily see the foliage mm-hmm. of that plant. Um, so that's, that's kind of finishing up, but still have quite a few bees and, and wasps visiting that. 
Um, but then as that, again, as that seed head dries out, that's can give you some good winter interest too, if you let that uh, stand mm-hmm. um, as well. I, I love the rattlesnake master. It has those, it has the yucca like leaves, which yucca sifolium, that's, that's what it, it means. Yeah. It's like yucca like, and I don't think there's any plant in the Illinois prairie that looks like that. So it really does stand out as kind of that, that, that accent or that, that, that feature plant. Um, so I love seeing rattlesnake master, uh, super tough plant. Is this one, did you say, is it growing in your hell strip kind of outside the front of your house? Yeah. yeah. Super tough. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, we've haven't had any issues. Like we've got a couple of the the flower stalks that have flopped, but um, those that we've got planted, kind of in between some of the the native bunch grasses, those kind of help hold up those flower stalks in there. Mm-hmm. Still looking good. Yeah, it, it it takes. I have I've seen rattlesnake master grow in places where nothing else would grow and get absolutely no water, no care, nothing, and it thrived and did well. So I have some in a milk jug in my backyard that I still need to plant. <laughs> I've had it for about a month. So one of these days I'm going to be able to get out there and plant it. But yeah, it's it's just sitting there in that milk jug and I haven't really done anything with it and it's doing fine. Say so once it, uh, I don't know about up there, but once you get some rain down here and loosen up the soil a little bit, yes, get all kinds yeah. of stuff in pots I need to plant. Oh man, I have been, I've had to pull some weeds because um, the crabgrass has been absolutely awful in, in my area and everything is so dry. I can, I think, or, or I think we're both in this little pocket of drought here in West central Illinois. Is that, that correct here this time of year? Well, I haven't looked at the drought map recently, but we were supposed to get rain earlier this week. And I think we got three tenths mm-hmm. and it, everything just kind of slid South. It was, I mean, we've got cracks in my, in our yard and garden. I can stick my finger all the way down. Yep. my knuckle in it and still not hit the bottom so yes same I, it, it's it's pretty dry just it's like this little pocket from like the mississippi river over in western illinois um if you go like a little bit farther south where like quincy is or a little bit north where quad cities are they're fine in terms of typical rainfall but we're just this little area dry as a bone and yep. i've been i'm kind of getting tired of the holding the hose and watering things <laughs> big bubble day. over us yeah now we've been it's been nice though it's been cooler so at least it hasn't been 100 degrees and and dry as a bone but yeah yes knock on wood let's uh <laughs> look at the extended forecast right now but i will share my next plant pick for late summer bloomer and that is going to be a false sunflower and this is a cultivar known as bleeding hearts um Bleeding Hearts False Sunflower has this orange, red, sometimes maybe a little bit more purple color uh, uh, flower, and it, it's that that sunflowery uh, appearance to it, the aster color uh, shaped flower. Um, now, this is one that is planted in a most definitely partial shade area in my yard. It gets almost entirely morning sun, or sorry, morning shade, and then entirely. Um, well, up until the, the house casts its shadow, um, you know, so it might get like four hours of direct sunlight in my yard does really well. Um, we, we planted it last year and it was, it was beautiful. And then it came up in the spring and let me say, as it's coming up, it's really cool too, because the stems are like dark purple 
and the leaves were with this, this vibrant green. So really, really neat color combination just as a plant in itself before it's flowered. But then the bunnies found it. And uh, so rabbits like this plant. And um, so the, the rabbits did knock it. Uh, we have two of them knocked them both down a couple times. I put some tomato cages around them with a little bit of just cloth on the cage to keep them off. And that, that did the trick. And uh, now they're tall enough that the rabbits don't want to bother with them. So, uh, but yeah, bleeding hearts, false sunflower. Mine, as we're talking here, mid-August still has not bloomed yet. The buds are there, they're ready to pop. Uh, but I think another week or two, they'll open up. And this is one of those where I've also found a few seedlings coming up around the plant also. So um, kind of my garden uh, scheme is if, I, you know, I kind of let plants meander where they want to go. If you don't want this to happen, deadhead them once they finish blooming in the fall. That way you won't get the seeds spreading around all over the place. Yeah, so stick with the sunflower theme. I mean, even if you don't want stuff spreading, even our annual um, sunflower, mm -hmm. you know, if you <clears throat> if you kind of plant that, alter that planting date a little bit, you can get those planting, you know, blooming throughout the summer um, into the fall. So a lot of our, we plant a lot of sunflowers um, in our front yard. Um, a lot of the big 12 plus foot, like mm -hmm. can barely see our house <laughs> sometimes. Um, but so some of, some of those are done blooming um, or the branching ones that, that will continually bloom. Um, so some are done blooming, some are just starting to bloom. Um, but for the most part, they're, they're finishing up because we planted them earlier in the year. Um, but you could again, alter that planting date or, and they can run the gamut from, you know, 60, 70 days plus to bloom. Mm -hmm. Just kind of depends on the plant. So, and there's different colors and, and sizes and all that um, fun stuff. Um, if you want that, that sunflower look. Uh, another one we've got in our yard. Um, that is an annual, or at least treated as an annual, is uh, Mexican sunflower or tithonia. Um, so this is the second year uh, we've grown that. Last year, I don't know what we did, but those plants ended up 10, 12 feet tall. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. They're only supposed to be, what, six, eight feet tall, according to the seed packet, and mm -hmm. they just kept growing and growing and growing. It's a good dirt you got. <laughs> this year, they're, they're normal, normal size. Mm -hmm. uh, according to the seed packet but and i should have looked this up but we've so we've got two different types of growing we've got the one that's got the reddish orange flowers is what you typically see yeah um and another cultivar was it's got yellow flowers and i don't remember what the name of it is but there are different colors out there um if you don't want that reddish orange color if you want a variety and they kind of look nice um planted next to each other so that's another one uh we've gotten that started blooming um probably in the last couple weeks um, and that'll again go through um, until we get a frost. Um, and we usually see a lot of butterflies and and bees and, and other pollinators on there as well. And that that's one that we we've, we've really adopted it for a lot of our extension programming in the spring, where we like maybe have a booth somewhere and we have an activity for kids. And if it's a seed planting activity, and we're dealing with pollinators, and uh, often now it's going to be that that Mexican false sunflower, and so it. It's a beautiful plant, very attractive to pollinators. I, I really love it. So it, it's it's always performed really well in my area. So, and, and we usually put it near the vegetables for us. Yeah, and it's a pretty good good sized plant. So it makes a nice backdrop and it's got 
some fairly attractive foliage on it too so it's not too terribly ugly looking uh, before mm-hmm. it starts blooming and stuff yeah i think i think next year um i might experiment by intermixing like zinnias and mexican sunflower um and yeah i might might may, i need a third annual maybe to throw in that that mix um for the garden uh, so we'll, I'll figure it out. But yeah, if anyone has suggestions or Ken, we got, we have to do our, our seed selection extravaganza where we sit down and we, we pick all kinds of weird, crazy <laughs> things to grow next year. No, we're never going to have no room to grow at all. Uh, exactly. I have so <laughs> much seed that I can't put anywhere. It's incredible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, sunflowers are, I, I'd say that it's one of those things that are, are probably a bit, uh, overlooked people plant them earlier in the season they don't think ah i could plant them a little bit later and still get that that bloom color um and so yeah, yeah. I, we're doing a succession planting too yes succession planting would be good um especially good for birds the the one i see on like seed catalogs and seed racks at the store i think is autumn beauty i think it's one of those branching ones that it, it blooms later in the season but it it um it just depends when you plant it so yeah it'll bloom throughout the year and it's really pretty in the in the fall yeah and we've kind of with our sunflowers we're kind of switching more to the branching because you get that Mm -hmm. longer bloom period i personally like the really tall ones just because you know it's kind of mind-boggling how big those things can grow from seed in one year yeah you get trunks the size of your your Mm -hmm. forearm on them a lot of times at least with ours those heads flop and you don't get to really see the flowers um all that much so the branching ones are are nice mm-hmm. yeah you can bring them into the house put them on the table and yeah or it it's hard to do that with the well i guess you could do it with the mammoth uh sunflowers out there it's like a yeah. whole centerpiece <laughs> and i say with ours we basically have no seeds left on any of ours we got a flock of birds in there every day mm-hmm. um and one thing i'd point out with sunflowers um a lot of times when you're looking in seed catalogs uh, they've got a lot of pollenless varieties for cut flowers because mm-hmm. sunflowers will shed a lot of pollen. You don't necessarily want that in a cut flower, um, and that's fine. But if you're if you're planting these sunflowers to attract pollinators, I would steer away uh, from those pollenless because those are going to be a lot less attractive to bees uh, and things like that. Yeah, I I don't know if so, listeners, if you've noticed yet, but a lot of the things we're talking about have some type of benefit to pollinators or wildlife <laughs> or native or you know there there there's a theme it seems like here between ken and i so (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly um well one thing so this this um next i'll call them genus grouping of plants might force people to shut off the podcast they might get really upset but how could we not talk about this fall blooming group the goldenrods a lot of people don't like goldenrod for for a couple different reasons we could dispel at least one of those as a myth right now, and that is the hay fever allergy. The goldenrod blooms at the same time as another plant, ragweed. Now, goldenrod has a very beautiful, showy flower. Ragweed does not. Also, ragweed is wind-pollinated. Goldenrod is insect-pollinated, so goldenrod pollen does not move very easily in the wind. Ragweed, it's supposed to move in the wind. And so a lot of times in the fall, people start getting those those fall allergies. 
and they see the goldenrod blooming and they say, oh, that darn goldenrod, uh, it's, it's causing my allergies to flare up. It's actually probably going to be your ragweed because it's wind pollinated and it's moving on the wind. So that's the thing that's irritating our, our sinuses at that time of year. But goldenrod, I, I think I have to talk about goldenrod. Ken, do you, do you have any qualms about goldenrod or do you have anything uh, to prop up goldenrod with? So I don't have really any any big qualms. Um, we've got some goldenrod planted, and Ed, I couldn't tell you what it is. I didn't look at the plant tags. Um, I'm, really, I'm really bad. I, we buy stuff and plant it, and I forget what it is. But plant tags are stuck on the ground somewhere. Oh, um, yeah. So my I, here's my tip for plant tags, which doesn't help very much. But I take the plant tags and I have a little bucket in the garage. I throw the plant tag in, <laughs> but that, that doesn't help very. I mean. It, it doesn't get lost, but then I don't know what plan is what. So uh, there, there's one tip to uh, either help or confuse you even more. So I, I usually stick them in the ground when we plant them and they're good for a year or two, but then they fade or break off. Mm -hmm. And I have to go look at the order. Like, oh, I think this is what it is. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so we've got some, um, so we planned these in our kind of our first area We've really planted a lot of native plants in our yard as our hell strip. Um, we've got some right by our driveway. Um, that last year got a little tall, got a little mm -hmm. hard to see into the streets. So uh, <laughs> this year, every time I weeded out there, I would hack them back, try to keep them a little shorter and was somewhat successful. The flower stalks have, have shot up, but that's a little, mm -hmm. it's not as thick as the foliage and stuff. So I think that's my big complaint, but that's <clears throat> my own doing. Uh, planting it there we'll probably end up digging those and, and moving them back in the yard so i don't have to keep pruning them and put something a little shorter there but that's yeah again that's that's my own fault that's not the plant's fault that's right it's not the plant's fault that we have problems with them and that we call them weeds and we don't want them where they're <laughs> at uh, it's just where that plant just wanted to grow a uh, golden rod is known to be a bit aggressive and probably i, I know a lot of like so people that manage prairies tend to curse Canadian goldenrod, uh, which is a species of goldenrod. And so I know that it, it can have kind of a, a negative name to it, but I'll say there's many species of goldenrod actually. And so one that I, I've been growing a cultivated form of it uh, is actually a wrinkle leaf goldenrod that's Solidago rugosa. And that is the cultivar fireworks. Fireworks has these arching stems of flowers late in the season. And it, it's uh, kind of, again, like that ironweed it has a very delicate, fine textured leaf. Um, and so in the arching stems, it's kind of this unique habit. And it, it, in my yard, fireworks has not been too aggressive. It hasn't really spread that much. Um, goldenrod can spread via rhizomes and also through seed uh, dispersal. And, um, and, and so that, that's one that I've grown. Now I'll say, on the flip side, there is another goldenrod that we've been growing uh, that has uh, been a little bit aggressive, but I really like it. Zigzag goldenrod, uh, Solidago flexicolis, callus, coolus, something like that. Uh, but zigzag goldenrod, like the flowers literally zigzag up the stem. It's, it's really a neat plant. And there's very few goldenrods that are actually like shade tolerant. This is one that is known to be a, it's called a woodland golden rod. Um, and so it, it is one that 
if you have trouble identifying goldenrod, it is very unique. It has a heart-shaped leaf that is serrate, like, like a very noticeable serrated toothed leaf edge. Sometimes it's doubly serrated. Um, so it's very noticeable. It spreads though. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I've noticed that in my garden. And so I, I'll probably wind up moving it. Uh, maybe I'll take some of the seed and some of the sprouts that are coming in, in other parts of the garden and move them to uh, the wooded area behind our house where I think it will can naturalize, it can do its thing and it'll be very happy there. Um, and, and then maybe I'll, I'll kill off what's in the garden bed, but, but ah, it's kind of hard because the flowers are still so cool as they, again, zigzag up that, that, uh, that central stalk of the plant. And so, I don't know, Ken, I'm on kind of on the fence. I don't know what to do. <laughs> do I get rid of it in the flower bed and move it? I'm going to move it either way, but the question is to get rid of it. So in the one spot, I don't know. It's, it's doing well there. So, Yeah. Put a little uh, ring around it so it can't yes. escape. A force field. That might be what it takes. But, Bam yeah. Bamboo barrier. Bam oh, yeah. We'll just put a little bit of running bamboo around it to keep it at bay. <laughs> uh, so I'll say I, I have kind of have a collection of goldenrods, many different species out there. Um, stiff goldenrod. There's fireworks, zigzag. Um, I know I planted showy goldenrod somewhere, but this is the same bed where I have, I call them ditch lilies, but they're day lilies. Um, the awful, absolutely awful plant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just, they're so, they spread so aggressively. And, um, my showy goldenrod, which is one of the species not known to be very aggressive. It doesn't spread via rhizome. Um, it can drop seed, but, um, it, it, I think the, uh, ditch lilies swallowed it up. Ate it up. Yeah. And so it didn't, it didn't make it this year. Uh, but, but yeah, so if you want, if you want a goldenrod that it's not as aggressive, doesn't spread via the roots or rhizomes, uh, showy goldenrod, which um, let me look that that scientific name real quick, is uh, Soliodago speciosa. Um, that's just a straight species. The only cultivated goldenrod I have is fireworks. So everything else is just the the wild species. Yeah, I think about it, I think the showy is what we planted because mm -hmm. I didn't want something that was going to spread. But I do have we have seedlings popping up. Um, here and there all over the yeah. place but those are easy enough to pull out yeah showy kind of it doesn't since it doesn't spread outward as quickly um it kind of has that vase shape all the stems rise from that central area and they 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 widen out then at the top that that gives that that v or vase shaped uh, form and it has this this plume of yellow flowers on the top of the plant and so really ornamental really pretty plant and uh yeah, I, if it's one you want to be, have a more well-behaved one, check that showy goldenrod out. So we can we can stick with the theme of somewhat naughty plants here. Um, yes, I like those. <laughs> obedient plant um, uh -huh. is one that we've got also in our health strip. We've got some in our backyard too. Um, in a prairie planting, we've or not prairie, but a wildflower planting we've done. Um, that's starting to um, open up. Um, here in the last week or so so it's got some nice pinkish flowers i have a nice stock um, of those on there and obedient so it gets the name obedient plant because you can kind of twist those flowers in different directions and they'll stay in that area mm -hmm. um, unfortunately the plant itself <laughs> does not necessarily stay uh, where you put it it can be pretty um, aggressive and and spreading and stuff so that's one 
Um, if you've got a small area, maybe not the best, or you're going to have to keep on top of it and um, cut it back, divide it, pull out seedlings and, and all that fun stuff. But it is a, it is a pretty, um, pretty flower, a lot of color, and kind of got those tube-shaped flowers um, on it. Yeah, we have obedient plant here at the extension office, and it's kind of in a smallish area, but it works because it's bounded on one side by an air conditioner, the other side by the lawn, building, and then there is a ground cover of liriope then there. And so kind of keeps it in check, but it, it is really cool to go as I'm walking by it. I always just twist one of the flower heads and I like, or I like twirl it or I do something fun with it. And it's just, it's a fun plant to have. So yeah, obedient plant, not so obedient plant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ken, uh, I mean, how many more flowering plants do we have? Uh, we, we could dive now into the wild, wacky world of grasses, unless you have some other flowering plants we want to get through. Um, I think the only other one would be, well, at least there's lots of them, but big one would be asters. No, Oh, um, yes, asters. We can't forget that one. So yeah, that's another one um, we've got. Oh. Do you grow the dwarf one, New England aster? Yes, no, thank you, New England aster. We've got some yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. um, we've got another one. I didn't do my homework for today. Um, it's got That's a lighter, right. <laughs> a lighter, winging almost it. kind of, almost kind of a white flower, mm -hmm. um, light purple um, as well. Yes, I know what you're talking about, and I also can't think of the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I got you. But, so New England Aster for me has always been, it's been fun to see and, but it's always flopped over and they've developed a cultivar called Purple Dome. That's like, I thought it was a mum when I first saw it. I'm like, what is this thing? I mean, it's this like perfectly mounded habit and it's got the purple flowers on it and it, it's a, it's a straight up New England Aster. I'm like, is this a cross of something? Did you like you know, uh, take GMO this with a, a garden mum or something like, what is this? And like, no, this is just, it's a selected cultivated version of new England aster that just had that mutation, that dwarf mutation. And it, uh, it, it's a pretty neat, neat plant. So purple dome, new England aster, if you don't want it to be all sprawly on you. Yeah. Or another way it would be to plant, <clears throat> have it support plants by it to help, um, hold it up, which, is what I do with our a lot of our grasses. Um, mm -hmm. So we can transition to those if you want. Now. That's a great transition point. A great, as they call them, segue. Um, which is is that like a restricted trademark name anymore? So I'm not kidding. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Can't trademark segue. Segue. Um, but so as we move from flowering plants to I call them supporting cast plants. Uh, the the grasses, but they. They have their own fall show um, when it comes to color, flowering. Uh, they're, they're really interesting. And so I'll say my favorite group is going to be the little blue stem um, in terms of just the natural species has all kinds of color variation in it when you're just looking at them in like a prairie setting. But then plant breeders have gone through and selected and pulled out certain plants that like has like really good maroon red fall color or maybe certain plants that have that like bluish grayish color right before 
they 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 color up in the fall like that really blue uh, stem color during the growing season. Um, one that cultivar I have to name because I think it's just like mandatory for me because this is a local fame thing is a cultivar a little blue stem called Carousel. It's actually selected in Rushville, Illinois, by Don Bain and. Um, it's a very popular, I mean, it's it's worldwide now, so it's a very popular cultivated version. He selected it because it was very strictly or sharply upright um, and had, it does turn a really nice uh, red to mer like kind of burgundy to brown gray fall color there. And so uh, Carousel is our local claim to fame here in central Illinois, and so that. Uh, but there's there's many other uh, cultivar names. Little blue stem. Have, do you have any little blue stem that you're growing, Ken? Uh, we do. We just have straight species um, mm -hmm. that we're growing. So yeah, it's got a nice <clears throat> kind of reddish color um, in the fall. There. Uh, we've also got um, prairie drop seed. Um, yes. So it's kind of got that floppy mm -hmm. habit, which um, looks nice. And then we've got. Uh, um i'm drawing a blank <laughs> like on the other one we've got we've got we've got two others so drawing the blank on the other one that i like um and then we've got uh northern sea oats which is a it's it's got a nice you know seed head on it kind of looks like a a flattened oat um mm. but it is rather rather aggressive um, we started off with four or five plants and now we've got a giant patch from it reseeding and um and stuff so um, i think this year i may go out and pull seed heads off just so i don't lose yeah <laughs> any more space i mean it'd be good if i if you've got an area you just want filled with a native grass that'll that'll move move in and, and take over pretty quickly at least in mm -hmm. my experience yeah i i've seen instances where northern sea oats was used in like a container planting and then the next year all the area around the container where the container was the container had been moved all northern sea oats started popping up and so it can be quite prolific yes yeah that that might be a time to uh either break out the flame weeder the hand weeder the the herbicide weeder uh, the, it, it's a tough one to, to yeah, kick back yeah that's coming next year <laughs> yeah there you go and, there you go and, it, and i think it can handle some shade so i put it in some some shady areas just to kind of get some stuff to fill in to keep some of the weeds down so we'll see if that works mm -hmm. I. Some of those smaller grasses like um, sea oats, uh, there's also, oh, what's it called? Uh, Budaloa, ah, is that blue gramma grass? I think it's blue gramma grass. There's some cultivated forms of blue gramma grass. Is that side oats gramma? Oh man, I can't think right side now. Side gramma is the other one we have. Ah, side oats gramma, yeah, okay. That, I can't remember if that's Budaloa. That's his genus name um, or not, but. We'll we'll let people look that one up after the fact. <laughs> That's another one put, of those short grasses. Put it in the comments. There you go. Put it in the comments. <laughs> what in the heck are we talking about? Um, a few other grasses that I I know. Actually, let me backtrack. Wait, you have the side oats, grandma, or no, Harry Graham? Ah, so many side grandmas oats. out there. Side oats. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is that? A full sun? I've got it in full sun. I'm trying to. Yeah, I remember. We try to intermix that once with buffalo grass. It's another native North American short grass. Um, did really well. 
but then it disappeared. Might have been too much competition for it. So, okay, okay. Let, let's talk like, a few other types of grasses out there. Now, a lot of uh, development and breeding has come into with switchgrass. I have a, I don't know if I want to say love here, but I have a like love hate relationship with switchgrass. Switchgrass is like super aggressive in the prairie. Um, and having managed like one prairie situation in my life, I know like switchgrass, ah, like I have to like do something to like beat this plant back all the time. And, but there has been some breeding that's gone in the switchgrass. I know some of the most popular ones have been, um, was it like heavy metal and Shenandoah? Um, so those definitely neat because it gets those like really airy panicles on top, kind of like, a uh, prairie drop seed, uh, also gets those like panicle type, uh, seed heads on it, which prairie drop seed, those can be fragrant. Are yours have your flowered Ken or are they I've, fragrant? I've heard they're supposed to smell like popcorn. Yeah. I've I've never gotten that smell off of them, but mm -hmm. maybe my nose is broken or my plants are broken. I don't know. <laughs> Someone's broken. <laughs> I've grown prairie drop seed and I've like like tried to like inhale the flowers and I I've never gotten any scent off of them. So I I maybe it's one of those where you need to have um like those mass plantings of prairie drop seeds and you have to have hundreds of flowers going all at the same time i don't know but maybe I people were eating book. popcorn beforehand and exactly still had it on their fingers yep someone dumped a bucket of popcorn <laughs> in the garden yep who knows but um so switchgrass little blue stem prairie drop seed uh we have yellow indian grass they that's another super aggressive prairie grass native but uh very aggressive but they've cultivated that one as well uh then there's fine like, like big blue stem you know the the tall grass prairie plant um and there's all types that have been cultivated of that one too that that one is a massive plant i've i've known it to it, at least in a landscape situation flop over just because it's just a it can be like seven eight foot tall and um so yeah but big blue stem um I, I I had the cultivar name in my head before the show started and it's left, but um, the, the, it's been bred for that fall color, um, probably also being bred for having a stronger, more upright habit that doesn't flop over. And, and so, but big blue stem is, I think another really popular one because it's so tall and it really stands out kind of like uh, pompous grass would stand out um, and, and as like a non-native. And then one added benefit, I think we can say of, grasses as the insect overwintering value in the uh the stems and such so they're really good for that so don't need to chop them down in the fall yeah yeah we have for most of the plants we talk about yeah you could mm -hmm. leave those and and let things overwinter on them unless you don't want a whole bunch of seeds um so we did that with our our blade another one we didn't mention was blazing star oh yeah um, we left a bunch of ours and we just have the uh, was the prairie the normal one you usually see the, mm -hmm. uh, that starts off at the, star. mm -hmm. the top and goes to the bottom we've got a bunch of that and we've planted some other types since then but last year left those up for the birds to feed on the seeds and stuff and they all got knocked down and covered in snow and this year we were pulling out <laughs> blazing star ceilings by the handful <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ridiculous so mm -hmm. the seed heads are not going to be remaining <laughs> remaining yeah. on there this year we'll, we'll take them off and hang them somewhere else but they're not gonna they're not staying in the garden. Go put them in the neighbor's yard. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, that was a lot of great information about plants that bloom in the late summer, early fall timeframe. And it went beyond just mums, right? We were we didn't talk about mums at all. So we try to throw in some new stuff for you, maybe things that you haven't heard or, or experienced much with. And uh, yeah, we welcome you to uh, feel free to throw any suggestions you might have into the chat box uh, below. Um, and, you know, you feel free, email uh Email us, let us know what you like, or send a message to uh, McDonald's at help.us and uh, let them know too. So they could use some spiffing up on their drive through plants. Well, the Good Coin Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension, and it is uh, edited this week by Ken Johnson. And uh, thank you to Ken Johnson, horticulture educator, for being here to, to chat with me about all these plants that are about to come into their full glory here in the late summer, fall time frame. Well, thank you. Thank you for the ideas. I've got some stuff to uh, replace our coneflowers now, hopefully. And uh, let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. Uh, we have a little bit of a theme going on here, folks, with some of our recent podcasts. Maybe you've noticed, but next week we are going to be talking with Brody Dunn. Uh, Brody is a visiting extension outreach, outreach associate. Uh, he specializes in pollinators and beneficial insects, and we're going to talk about the status of monarch butterflies and other pollinators, so you won't want to miss that conversation. Well, listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening, or if you're watching us on YouTube, watching, and as always, keep on growing.